Hello and welcome to the second episode of Ranking 76, where Matt and I are attempting to rank 76 of the most notorious and infamous outlaws, gunmen, lawmen throughout the American West from 1776 to the closing of the 1800s. I am Eric. Hey, I'm Matt. And today, we're doing Wild Bill Hickok. You said you you said I was gonna know this guy, but I really don't know much about him. I'm gonna be honest with you. You've heard the name though. Yes, yes. I've okay, I was about to say if you hadn't heard the name, oh boy. I also wonder how many people outside the U.S. know any of these people. So if you're from outside of the U.S., let us know. Uh, we kind of just grow up with these names, especially Wild Bill, because he was actually killed in our home state of South Dakota. So I knew so. what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. I have a feeling. I, I, I vaguely remember something about South Dakota. Maybe Deadwood, yep. perhaps? Okay. We'll get there. If you've seen Deadwood, you've seen Wild Bill Hickok. If you've seen the HBO show, Wild Bill. It's very good. Not accurate. It's very good, though. Uh, hope you don't mind swearing. Anyway, Wild Bill, the real guy. Because he's just as interesting. Wild Bill was born James Butler Hickok in 1837. You will notice that neither James or the word Butler is William. So where the hell did Bill come from? We're going to fast forward just a little bit because the answer, like most of the nicknames of our figures, could come from a few different places. We're going to kind of tell it in the least interesting to the most interesting. He may have been named Bill because he resembled a brother who died before Wild Bill was born. Or at least, or he may have resembled his father, whose name was William. Seems to be the most straightforward. He may have gotten it, in contrast by his brother Lorenzo, for whatever reason, was nicknamed Bill. Lorenzo, though, was called Tame Bill. Tame Bill and Wild Bill. By contrast, James was called Wild Bill. Well, you know, that could make sense if they were, um, if they both looked like their dad. Maybe one of them, I mean, was Tame Bill pretty, pretty mellow and Wild Bill pretty crazy? They better have been. <laughs> it was the complete opposite. I'm also wondering if they were just, if, like, when they were walking down the street, if Tame Bill was, like, shoulder shrugged and, like, almost half depressed and Bill was wild hey, and shooting his, guys. shooting his pistols in the air, Yosemite Sam style. The most common story you hear, Bill is actually a, sh a deputy sheriff several years later, and he hears a disturbance in the bar. When a bartender, a Confederate supporter, made his opinions well known in a bar room full of ex-Union soldiers. Smart. Being, being fresh off of the Civil War, the soldiers had little patience for the, for the bartender trash-talking them. The soldiers are about to beat up the bartender when Bill runs in, pistols drawn. The soldiers back off for the bartender and move towards Hickok. Unafraid, Hickok shoots over their heads as a warning shot and shoot, and threatens to shoot the next man who steps up. The soldiers begrudgingly step down. As word throughout the night goes around, a woman is to have said to Bill, Good for you, Wild Bill. And the name stuck. That's a pretty cool story. I it like is a cool nickname. story. I'm going to say it. There's a lot of stories like those. Bill is, I mean, you'll have to decide for yourself if you believe a lot of these stories, but 
There's a lot of good stories. Anyway, back to his childhood. He was born in 1837 in Illinois. His father was a staunch abolitionist who was born on the East Coast and brings his views to the West. His father may have also volunteered as part of the Underground Railroad, whose he would even take runaway slaves from one stop to the next. Bill himself would sometimes even go into his family barn and see runaway slaves hiding. And when he's not seeing runaway slaves hiding in his barn, he would pass time while hunting. He would go into the woods for target practice for hours at a time. He quickly gains a reputation for being an excellent and a very quick shot. He didn't have more than a few days of formal education, but does learn how to read pamphlets and on the lies of Kit Carson and Daniel Boone, both of whom he becomes quite fond of. When Bill is 15, his father dies. His family kind of splits apart, but they do write numerous letters back and forth from each other, and they do keep in touch constantly. Bill always has his eye on leaving Illinois. So he works random jobs, always keeping on an eye, maybe to Nebraska, Kansas, so on. His goal is to save up enough money for ranch land and to move. He travels around the area as far north as Michigan, where he takes a job briefly unloading boats. Briefly, because Bill is fired after he sees his boss punch a horse. Just, just got, you just got mad enough to punch a horse. Just like punched a horse. Right? Just Maximinius Thrax punching a horse. Ah, Bill, so mad. Ah. Well, I'm thinking. I mean, a horse can take a lot of damage. The horse probably looked at him like, "Who the hell are you? What was that?" <laughs> Bill, a staunch animal lover himself, was furious and did not hesitate to throw his boss in a river. Which, this is now the second figure in a row where a friend or a figure has ended up in the river. So maybe there's some cross uh, mixing up of stories there. I don't know that. Must have been a thing of the times, you know. I'm going to get so mad at someone into the river they go. any barrel of any body of water. After finally turning 18, Bill is able to move to Kansas. Uh, where he has enough to buy a cheap land for ran- for ranching. He however moves at the worst possible time in Kansas history because it is actually about to be a major point in the buildup to the American Civil War. The time period for Kansas is known as Bleeding Kansas. Recently, the Kansas-Nebraska Act was passed right before Bill moves in. What the Kansas-Nebraska Act did is it essentially removed the Missouri Compromise, saying slavery cannot go above a certain uh, parallel, which is the northern border of modern-day Oklahoma. The Kansas-Nebraska Act now allows any state to vote itself on if it would like slavery or not. A majority of the population in Kansas want Kansas to be a free state. However, pro-slavery men in Missouri, just across the border, see an opportunity to gain a new slave state. Missourians cross the border. Elections are held. Actual voter fraud takes place. Kansian anti-slavery men, who are known as Jayhawkers, attempt to stop the pro-slavery border ruffians from Missouri from literally stealing the elections. Violence erupts and ends with a pro-slavery government in Kansas being elected. 
So it worked. It worked. Jeez. And for a time, there's essentially two governments fighting for control in Kansas. One, they add the pro-slavery government has slight more major uh, legitimacy because they won the election officially. So that's starting it out. A lot of history. We're going to leave that right over there. Bill moves into his nice new home. However, it isn't long before pro-slavery bushwhackers, and we'll get more into bushwhackers in a future episode, uh, just burn down Bill's ranch. Oh, they just they just don't like him enough. They're just going to burn it down? Uh, they're just... They're gonna. They're they're just fighting. He just happened to be in the way. It had nothing to do that. Oh, he was Bill Hickok. Huh? Uh, Bill meets a well-known Jayhawker at this time named John Owen and joins his reg- regiment. In letters, Bill talks about the regiment, but it's not really known how much Bill is involved. We don't know what battles, what he what he experiences. But what you do get in the letters back to his brother is instead of battles, you kind of get a sense of Bill's wit and dry humor. Um, in the same letter that he talks about the the regiment, he also writes his brother, who's who asked how he was getting along. Bill replies with, I'm assuming with a few slurs in it, now I will tell you a few lies. I have quit swearing now. I have quit drinking. Tell Lorenzo I have quit dancing. I have quit chewing tobacco, and I don't touch any lager beer. And I do not speak to girls at all. I'm getting to be the perfect hermit. For a man who's known to being in a saloon, probably not, dude's uh, picking up a lot of sarcasm there. After his land claim is built, burned down, Bill takes work on as a teamster. Which a teamster essentially is, uh, you know the term riding shotgun? It's the person riding shotgun in the wagon. It's a hired hand to help protect your belongings. Being a teamster is obviously dangerous work, and you have to be able to prepare to defend against a, to defend a stranger's property at any time from Native American attack, from other travelers, from stampedes, so on and so forth. He would travel as far as Santa Fe, New Mexico, where he even meets Kit Carson, the man who we read about when he was a boy. Carson, like Bill, uh, liked Bill enough to show him uh, around Santa Fe when he was there. Another bill, but this gets very confusing, so I'm going to try to keep this straight. Another bill that Hickok meets was Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill Cody is only 11, is only 11 at the time, and while traveling with Hickok, uh, the future Buffalo Bill described Hickok as a tall, handsome, magnificently built, powerful young fellow who could outrun and outjump any man on the wagon train. And it was maybe Buffalo Bill was so fond of Hickok because on one occasion, Buffalo Bill was being bullied by another teamster twice his size. Hickok stepped in and knocked the man down and yelled, If you ever lay a hand on that boy, little Billy there, I'll give you such a pounding you won't get over it in a month full of Sundays. Now, eventually, spoiler, uh... Bill actually joins Buffalo Bill's Wild Rest uh, show, so maybe there's some showmanship there. Maybe that story isn't true, but it is a known story about Hickok. Hickok finds out just how dangerous the trails can be when he is driving a wagon from Independence to Santa Fe. When he sees two bears, well, when he sees a bear and two cubs in the middle of the road, Bill, not wanting to take chances with a protective mother bear with her two cubs, 
takes an odd approach in hindsight. Instead of waiting for the bear to cross, Bill raises his rifle. He takes aim at the bear and shoots it in the head. Only then to realize that the bullet ricocheted off the bear's skull. Wouldn't you know the bear attacked? Pinning Hickok down as he fires his gun anywhere he can fire it. The bear then starts to bite down in Hickok's arm. Bill is forced to frantically grab his knife with his good arm and grabs his bowie knife and stabs the bear in the throat after a few violent stabs. The bear is dead. Hickok suffered. doesn't work, use a knife. Yeah, I can only imagine the panic. (laughs) Like, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. Oh, thank God. Oh, God. Hickok suffered a crushed left arm, broken bones to his chest and shoulder. There is proof of him recovering from these injuries, but this could have well been the same injuries from a wagon wheel falling on him. So, again, take it with a grain of salt. I'm going to try not to say that too often. Good to to know. Bear attack, wheel falling on you. Same kind of injuries. Same kind of injuries. It's basically the same danger. I'm a can All right. You You see a wheel in the road, you better not shoot at it. It's going to attack you. It'll ricochet and attack you. Okay, right before the onbreak of the Civil War, Bill continues his work as a teamster and works various jobs, finding himself at Rock Creek Station in Nebraska around 1861. Bill is now working for a stage depot uh, and starts a few with a very mean-spirited man named David McCandless. Things get pretty petty. McCandless enjoys insulting Hickok, and hey, do you remember us uh, grading nicknames? I'm going to need you yeah. to grade, grade, grade this sick burn. McCandless would call Wild Bill Duck Bill. You know what? You're just a duck. Bill. Uh, it's a, uh, I'm going to give that a solid two. Two out of ten. You're generous. McCandless. <laughs> this seems so out of place. McCandless would then also claim that Bill was a hermaphrodite. Awesome. Random. You go from Duck Bill to Hermaphrodite. Bill takes his revenge, not with words, but actually courts McCandless's woman, Sherisol. Oh, I'll show you, buddy. I'll show you. A proper revenge. Duck Bill, huh? All right. All right. We'll see who's ducking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the crux of the feud is that the firm that Wild Bill works for owed McCandless money. McCandless would hold debt over people, and a lot of men in the town actually owed McCandless money. One day, McCandless is in a foul mood and comes over to collect a debt from a, nam- from a man named Wells, who Wild Bill was staying at his house. From there, there's a few different versions of the story, so I'm mixing in a few different sources. So if it's not the story you all know, um, I had to piece together about three different stories, but in effect, what happened is McCandless arrived at the, at the station with two men and his 12-year-old son and exchanged angry words with the station manager. McCandless then storms over to Wells' house, again, where Wild Bill was staying at. McCandless yells for the husband to come out. The husband steps out of the house, sees McCandless with a shotgun, says nope, and turns around and closes the door. Wells' wife then comes out and yells at the three men standing at the door. Sees the gun, retreats inside. McCandless spots Hickok 
standing behind the curtain and turns his attention to him. He threatens to drag Duck Bill outside and to give him a thrashing. Bill, who's about 25 at this point and really hasn't dealt with a lot of violence before, claims there would be one less son of a bitch if you would try that. From here, Drew Gomer described that McCandless asked for a drink of water, possibly to defuse the situation, when Wells' wife went to go get the water. Hickok stepped further back into the room. McCandless then does something. He twitches, he goes for his gun, you don't know. Whatever it was, it caught Bill's attention enough to shoot McCandless through the heart. The shot was so quick, it took a few moments for the men standing outside to react to what just happened. McCandless staggered out of the building. How he staggered being shot through the heart, I have no idea, but they all said he staggered out of the building. The two other gunmen ran in. Hickok shot one of them twice and hit the other in the arm. It was probably only about 10 seconds, but two men were dead and one was running away with a bullet in his arm. He's quick. Version 2. McCandless with a posse show up and pound on the door Bill is staying at. It is say, Bill is calm and focused. Once the door opens, Bill opens fire, killing McCandless as he enters the room. Bill then waits his fate. He would later claim that he had six shots and ten men to kill because no one puts baby in a corner. Bill starts shooting at the, as the men as they enter the house. Bill, expecting to meet Death's hug, instantly, or instead, successfully kills nine men himself. The tenth man gets a warning. Why don't you let loose on that hammer, boy, and put down that piece? I'm going to give you a choice. You can stay here with your friends, who, side note, are all laying dead around the room, or you can turn around and go. The boy, realizing he just met the Terminator, decides to go. The shooting happened. Take your pick on which one happened. Matt, which one happened? I was just about to say, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, option two. Option two um, definitely killed, happened. Killed uh, nine men with six uh, bullets. So what if, happened is they were probably all lined up, uh, went through a couple of them, took a I couple think, down barehanded. I think the Terminator eyes actually shot the lasers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, What probably happened is one of them tripped over the other one, accidentally fired a couple rounds into the other's. Oh, that's, oh that's, well, that's a convenient. Uh, thanks, guys. You just turned a badass moment into a Three Stooges comedy. <laughs> it's exactly how I see it. You know, <laughs> stumbled over the door. The door uh, pushed in instead of pulled. So, you know, they... They couldn't get in. Yeah. Somebody pulled the lat, and they pulled so hard on the door and knocked the, and like, hit themselves with the doorknob and killed someone. Yep. It's exa- uh, more than one, you know, because apparently there was 10 of them, you know. That's a hell of a doorknob. That bums me out. I like the original story. So again, the shooting happened. Take your pick on which one actually happened. Bill would later visit McCandless's widow and told Mrs. McCandless that he was sorry he had to kill his man and pulls out $35 from his wallet and gave her saying, this is all I have. Sorry, I do not have more to give you. They then drove to what would be Bill's trial. He sent, he entered a plea of self-defense no one appeared against uh, Wild Bill or for McCandless, and Bill was cleared. The trial Surprising. lasted less than 15 minutes. 
whole murder trial. You know what? Anyone? Anyone? See what happened? Nope. Not guilty. Sounds like McCandless just wasn't a very popular man. <laughs> like, when the town, who just basically saw you get murdered, he did have a shotgun. It probably was self-defense, but, I mean, we'll see. Bill's reputation as a legendary gunman is not yet written for the masses, so he has to do regular people's work for a while. But what he does, what he chooses to do during the Civil War is he volunteers to become a scout and a messenger, but he also becomes a freaking spy. Modern day CIA. Details are sparse, but some of the spy duties would include Bill going into a saloon, get troop counts, information. He'd also collect debts for the Union Army. He does see gunfire on occasion when he's behind enemy lines and including during the Battle of Pea Ridge. He goes through four horses, three from exhaustion, and one is just shot up from under him. Another story that comes up about Hickok is he is returning to Union lines when he is flagged down by a black man saying there are four rebel soldiers holding two women inside. Bill jumps off his horse, bursts in, and must have caught all four men off guard, or he activated his glowing red Terminator eyes. All four men surrender. The two women's lives are saved. Not Bill. <laughs> I'll be back. Yes. One of his final missions, Hickok needed to get information back to Union lines. Hickok, disguised as a dead, took over a dead man's identity. He travels with the Confederate Army for, for five months. In an attempt to get back, Hickok sees an opportunity when a superior is running his mouth. His superior claims that he could fight any men and win in the regiment. Hickok accepts the challenge and suggests to take the fight to the riverbank. Why the riverbank? Throws him in. He's going to throw him in. <laughs> There's a plot. Uh, the riverbank had actually seen the Union soldiers not too long ago. The loser of the fight would have the humiliation of losing a fight in front of the Yankee army. This somehow works. Seems like a real strange plan. <laughs> Let's go to the enemy and fight. Wouldn't it be embarrassing for the loser? The men go down to the riverbank, and just as they're about to start fighting, a Union soldier recognizes Bill and with absolutely no chill says, Good on you, Wild Bill. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the Confederates slowly turn to Bill and wonder, how does this man know your name? I can only imagine they were like, wait a second. <laughs> wait. How does the, how does he know? Oh God. I can only imagine like the amount of annoyed on Bill's face must've just been ridiculous. That's a for sure. And thus the face palm emoji was born. It was. Also, probably four other four-letter words we can't say. Before the Confederates can attack, the Union Army actually starts firing. Bill is able to escape undercover and likely has a few choice words, words for whoever called out to him and identified him. Bill is discharged from the Army shortly after the Civil War, and he heads back west, where he gives an interview for a man named George Ward Nichols. Nichols works for a popular Wild West magazine at this time called Harper's Magazine. Bill is starting to grow a reputation 
uh, of of telling some tall stories. He doesn't think much of the interview. Uh, he was kind of drunk for most of it. He embellishes stories that will eventually make him famous, but a lot of the embellished stories kind of come from this period because Bill just wanted to, you know, boast about himself. He's uh, lucky they didn't start calling him Windy Bill. That would be a really bummer. Poor Frank Cahill. So, uh, this is where the McCandless story is popular, or is published, the story with the Ten Men. Bill becomes a major celebrity both on the East Coast and in the West. Other than the McCandless story, Bill loved to tell another story when he was surrounded by a group of men. Picture the scene, a bunch of men surrounding Bill, he's telling this story. Bill will go on about how he is alone on the prairie when he sees evidence of a large Indian of a large group of Indians just over the ridge. He counts nearly 100 Indians. Bill would explain that he pulled out a six-shooter, pulled the trigger six times, killed six Indians. He then pulled out his other six-shooter, pulled the trigger six times, six more dead Indians. Finally, he pulled out his rifle, killed six more. And after a long pause, someone, Bill would just be waiting to say, Bill, what happened to the Indians? And Bill would reply, well, they killed me. <laughs> that's, a, that's that's good i like that that's when i really started liking bill's like oh he's not a bull well he is uh but, oh look I, at I, him I, and his I humor really thought the story was gonna go i pulled out a six shooter all hundred walked away dead <laughs> but what was it in uh the office where if michael had uh three bullets and had uh, two evil guys and Toby to kill. He would <laughs> shoot, shoot Toby, Toby twice. <laughs> he just kept doing that for uh, over a hundred. But yeah, I did like that story. I'm going to steal that one. Near the end of the war, Hickok befriends an ex-Confederate soldier named David or Davis Tut, a well-known member of the hyper-violent Bushwhacker group, uh, the former Missouri group. That's kind of a guerrilla warfare tactic uh more to come on them in the future despite their differences the two find a friendship over gambling and drinking what hickok may not have known about his his confederate friend was tut was having some money problems he had been in court charged with illegal gambling some months before was issued a hundred dollar fine but was unable to pay it and was jailed he was later released it's not known if Hickok had known this, but he likely didn't. And if he did, he would probably be a little bit for more forgiving from what was about to happen. It's July 1865, and in a gambling house in Springfield, Missouri, Hickok and Tut are sitting at a card table. During the course of the night, the two men disagree over a debt Hickok owed Tut from a previous card game. Tut claimed that Hickok owed him $35. Hickok claimed the debt to only be 25. Tut then picked up Hickok's prized pocket watch from the table and announced very loudly so that everyone could hear that he would not be returning the watch until Wild Bill paid his debt. Hickok warning that there would be consequences if Tut had not if if Tut had been seen wearing the watch in public. The next morning, maybe after they sober up, Tut's friends spend the better part of the morning trying to convince Tut to accept Hickok's version of events. 
across town, Hickok is heard saying that he would rather fight anyone else in the world than Tut, for Tut had, quote, accommodated me more than any man in this town, for I have borrowed money from you time and again, and we have never had any dispute before in our settlement. So let me get this straight. They're friends. They have yes. a dispute. Take that watch and see what happens next day. I just, I just don't want to fight him. I mean, he's a good guy. Right. It really helps me out. I mean, I don't want to, but I mean, I said it. He said it, so I guess. That is a good point. That's over a pocket wash, and they're saying how petty this is. But we have to fight. There's no, there's no. It I does mean, we people hurt us. I mean, what are we going to do? You know, sorry, we have man. Pride, chest hair, man. Look at it. It gets, it gets more. Well, my whole thing is he picked like who. First off, they're arguing about ten bucks. I mean, I I get it. Uh, he owed him money. Which is hilarious that he was like, no, I don't owe you 35. It's 25. 25. And then he goes, you know what? I'm keeping this. No, you're not. Yeah, huh? Or just a watch. Yeah, huh? I'm keeping it. But yes, uh, it does sound like they're trying to make peace. Uh, Bill doesn't want to fight. Tut actually agrees and says that he does not want any trouble either. Initially. Sometime during the day, and probably after a few glasses of liquid courage, Tut changed his story and claimed the debt was now $45. Tut then appeared outside the courthouse wearing Bill's pocket watch. In clear sight of Bill. Bill urged Tut not to cross the square unless dead men could walk. Ugh. Severe amount of pride. Don't do it. I told you what was going to happen. Don't you do it. From here, Harper's Weekly, the takeover. So essentially, Tut comes toward. They essentially, they do the 15 paces apart. When Bill saw Tut standing near the courthouse, you remember what you remember was on the, that you remember was on the west side. A crowd standing behind Bill. Just when Tut, who was alone, started from the courthouse and walked outside the square, Bill moved away from the crowd towards the west side of the square. Side note, they're basically, they're walking the 15 paces away. They're about to set up a duel. Set the scene. Yes. Exactly that. Exactly that. It's the top of the hour. It's a couple minutes before, what, noon? The, the, The bell's about to sound. Doc and McFly are about to come in with the DeLorean. No, they leave the DeLorean in that movie. Yep. Uh, They're about 15 paces between them and each other, which means they're about 50 yards apart. Tut then showed his pistol. Bill had kept a sharp eye on him, but before Tut could pin it, Bill was drawn out. At that moment, you could have heard a pin drop across the square. Both Tut and Bill fired. The one just... One discharge followed the other so quick that it may be hard to say who fired first. Tut was a famous shot, but he missed this time. The ball from his pistol went over Bill's head. The instant Bill fired, without waiting to see if he had hit Tut, he wheeled over to the crowd, pointing his pistol, his pistols in the air, and said, Are you satisfied, gentlemen? Bill said as cool as an alligator. 
Put Are up you your... not satisfied? Yes, exactly. The the alleg- uh I do like the the edition of Bill cried as cool as an alligator. Put your shooting irons, or there will be more dead men here. And they put them up, and they said it wasn't a fair fight. So essentially, what that happened, and again, it's very confusing the language they used back then. Uh, they had a standoff. They had a duel. As soon as Bill fired, he didn't look at Tut. He turned around to the crowd instantly, knowing he killed him, and said, Are you satisfied, everyone? Or, come at me if you're hard enough. And the crowd agreed that they were not hard enough. Nope, I'm good. Thanks. If you have ever seen a duel in a movie, this is the duel it is referencing. A coroner's report found a hundred years later, the doctor that examined Tut's body at the time declared that the ball from Hickok's pistol passed through Tut's heart at 75 yards. They know, they think it was 75 yards because they used old city maps. Because of how Tut was, they determined that Tut was actually standing sideways with his heart on the opposite side because he was right-handed. So he had to, so what Hickok drew and shot, he hit uh, Tut underneath the armpit right through the heart at 75 yards. The pistol Hickok was using was a Colt Navy revolver that could be accurate up to 200 yards, but it was rarely fired in anger at that distance. So basically say he pulled it really quick, made a hell of a shot with a gun that was able to do it, but you normally needed to aim up the sights. And he killed him. It's a hell of a shot. And then without even looking to see if his now dead friend was alive, just turns around and asks if everyone would like some more. That is actually a true story. That is actually verified. That is a legitimate, we can tell that one without a wink and a nod. Um, Hickok was then arrested and charged with the murder. Uh, but it was actually reduced to manslaughter. A number of his friends put up the $2,000 bail and a trial was set. A judge pointed out that Tut made threats against Hickok and was a fighting character. He also noted that Tut was a dangerous man and Hickok's plea of self-defense had to be considered because no man should be expected to stand with his arms folded without offering some resistance. It was a pocket watch. Yeah, all over a pocket watch just because he put it on. But he told him. I mean, he said, "It was his don't watch. wear it out in public, or see what happens." What happened? The jury agreed, and it only took ten minutes to accept Hickok's plea of self-defense. You know, crimes back in the day they really they they really sped those along. You know. You wonder why we have a podcast and it's this type of legal <laughs> legal well, shrewdness. The uh, judge was probably only in town for what, a couple hours? He had to yep. keep moving. I mean, Tut had his watch. It was a death sentence. It had to happen. You know, after uh, reviewing the evidence, uh, he was a bad man. All in favor? Not guilty. Okay. Okay, let's go. Free to go, man. Let's have a drink. Then they probably went to go play poker and had another $20 debt. They repeat that for eternity. What happened to him after? Bill? Yeah. Well, let me tell you. 
Bill not wanting to stay in town for a town that may seek revenge because Tut was fairly popular in town. Bill was just kind of entering it. He moves, Bill moves, to Hayes City, Kansas in 1869, a cattle boom town that was part of the Comstock Trail that was only founded two years earlier. The town, Hayes City, was looking for literally anyone to be the sheriff. It had been built on the Union Pacific Railway land and was soon become a popular place for buffalo hunters, soldiers, gamblers, and anyone else you thought was cool in high school. They first elected a sheriff. He mysteriously disappeared. The second election was held. Within months, the second sheriff just ran away. In July 1869, the citizens of Hay City petitioned the governor to appoint a sheriff, and the governor ignored it. So in late August, a third election was held. Bill was elected the acting sheriff before the official county elections in November, where he actually was given the official title. So Bill, just a little bit before, um, killed Tut on self-defense. <laughs> And now he's the sheriff of a town. An outlaw to a lawman. Happens quite often here. It's not going to be the first time we see, or the last time we hear this story. I'm sure someone was sitting in the saloon going, what a time to be alive. What? <laughs> you could literally, that would be great. Like, they could just literally go the town over and become a new person. It was great. Think of Billy the Kid. How many names did he have? He could just change his name. Nobody thought of it until... You've had a picture in the newspaper. Nobody recognizes you. Right. And if, I mean, if they showed that picture of Billy, I mean, that did not look like him. Am I right? No. Well, supposedly not. Yeah. Well, you even got to think like Hickok is now pretty famous. So he's been in Harper's. McCandless happened. Tut was also a big story. He is, he's famous now. Like people know his face. It also helps. He has long, like, bleat not blonde hair but like dark brown or blur he has long hair curly hair it's recognizable he also has a big handlebar mustache he's recognizable um then again they just needed literally a, you had a pulse we want you to be sheriff anyone take this job cowboys entering the city we'll have a special episode on cowboys but as soon as they get into a town and they get money they go crazy. They just went on a trail for two months. They just get paid an absorbent amount of money. At well, we've what, seen what, cows and other cowboys. Yep. And they just, they have a chance to see uh, women, saloons, gambling. They just, they do it up. They essentially spend their entire paycheck and then go on. But that's a bonus episode sometime down the road. Um, Hickok is tested early on by some drunk cowboys. Uh, fresh off the cattle trail, unaware that it was Wild Bill standing before them, they start making fun of the new new sheriff's appearance. Rather than fight it out, Hickok wants them to just finish their drink and leave. He is outnumbered four to one, and the fight isn't worth it. Then, one man purposely bumped into Hickok. <laughs> People just don't learn to do that. He he was trying. He was really trying. Just finish up. Leave. Don't come back. The drink Bill was drinking splashed on his face, the whiskey now more in his mustache than in his throat. An annoyed Hickok 
turned on Deadeye mode and backhanded the cowboy, knocking him down. Hickok gave one last warning to cut it out before things get serious. The men pick up their friend, make the mistake of reaching for their guns, and take a shot. Hickok is hit in the shoulder. Thinking this was the end of the fight, the cowboys let their guard down and start to walk away. When they see Bill raise his other arm with a revolver in his hand. Hickok fired the shot and hit the man in the jaw, which would be real painful, wouldn't it? <laughs> Oof. That didn't kill him instantly. He is in for a world of hurt. It turns out he was the lucky one because he was the only survivor. <laughs> the rest of the onlookers stared in amazement and shock as Hickok left leaves for the doctor. <laughs> I told him I'll be back. Don't. Why are you bump? Like, I understand they bumped into Bill Hickok. Hickok is justified in firing now, but like. Boy, it's really easy to start a fight in the 1860s, isn't it? After he gets shot in the shoulder, I mean, he is the sheriff. It's time to go. Also, just like a badass moment of like, I'd like to think Terminator mode just, he looked at it like, that's it? Right, like it's it's almost like it just doesn't affect him. Looks down at it. Nice try. Shortly after that, Bill is tested again by a man named Bill Mulvey. Mulvey was a drunk. There seems to be a theme with all of these. He opened a fire. He opened fire on frightened citizens. Hickok rushed to the scene and ordered Mulvey to surrender his pistol. Mulvey refused. Mulvey aimed his pistol right at Hickok. Hickok thinking of literally anything he can do to get the drunk man's gun out of his direction. Points and yells behind Mulvey. Do not shoot that man in the back. He is drunk. He literally pulls the look over there trick. A drunk Mulvey looks. Hey, what's that? That's exactly what he did. (laughs) Mulvey looks, sees an empty alley. And that was the last thing Mulvey ever saw. Hickok shot him in the head. In the documentary I watched was one of the sources here. Uh, It's Gunslingers. Uh, It's on American History Channel. Hickok actually enters... He has a lady around one arm, does the looky over there, shoots the man in the back, and then he just goes right back inside the room with the lady. <laughs> I don't think that part is true, but it's just a nice visual. Well, he's dead. Let's go. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> a man named, uh, another instant, a bar, owner, a bar owner named Curry sneaks up in Hickok and pulls his gun on Hickok's head. Hickok stayed calm for several seconds and says that Curry wouldn't kill a man without a show. So Curry put the gun to his head and Hickok, come on. No, you're embarrassing yourself. No. Bill is too upset. Jim, let's settle this feud. Champagne all around. Curry then laughs. The champagne is pop open. And they celebrated. They had a pretty nice time. You think no one died? No one died. I know you want to kill me, but instead, let's party. <laughs> okay, sure, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Beer? Yes. Most of this time, Bill would walk around, go to Rowdy Saloon, approach those, approach those who needed to be approached, calmly tell them to stop, and would walk out, and they would listen. Those who didn't get the message, like a man named Samuel Strahan, were dealt with. Strahan 
and a group of others were ordered to leave town by a vigilance committee. He did so, but returned a short time later with 18 other men and were ready to, quote, kill a man just for luck. The posse settled in the saloon and threatened to kill anyone who interfered with their evening of fun and drinking. The cowboys start to destroy the saloon, breaking chairs, tables, glasses. Every Wild West fight you've ever seen, they're doing it. Bill was sent for. He approaches the saloon, picks up an unbroken glass outside of the bar, calmly walks in, looks at the situation. The bar room is filled with 18 drunk and very violent cowboys. Says, boy, this is not how you treat a poor man in, the, in this way. Strahan vowed to, pick, to take the glass Hickok brought in and throw it out in the street again. Hickok replied, do that and they will carry you out. Strahan moved towards the glass, and he suddenly, his neck had a new hole to breathe out of, looked up, Hickok had both guns drawn, gives the rest of the drunk cowboys a look, most likely in shot, they pause and disperse. Before anybody understood what happened, Hickok shot the guy in the neck, and he died. And everyone else looked around and went, nope, not tonight, nope. alright, party's nope. over. Okay, he wins, eh, not worth it anymore. <laughs> Nevertheless, Hickok actions were always investigated. Uh, he was required to testify before a coroner's jury on any on-duty shootings. The jury would examine the evidence to ensure that he had acted legally. I, I don't have the quote, I don't have the word legally in quotes there, but you probably could put it in there. Either Let in self- guess each course ca- or each case took, you know, eight minutes, then five minutes. Then, you know, they got it down to about 30, 35 seconds. Eventually. Oh, Bill? Nope, not guilty. It's Bill, guys. Come on. Pass him through. Pass him through. So, yeah. Um, when I was at that section of the main source that I looked in, um, it seems like they just went through those stories rough shot. And they were like, well, okay. Hold on. Hold on. He was investigated, guys. It was fine. These were all justified. <laughs> After he just told about how shoddy somebody took his pocket watch and that was that was self-defense. One night Bill was talking to a bartender as two soldier as two soldiers making to look a name for themselves plotting to kill Hickok. One snuck up and grabbed Hickok around the neck and pulled him to the floor. While Bill was struggling to free himself, another man named Kyle drew his pistol, pushed the nuzzle to Hickok's ear, and pulled the trigger. The gun misfired. Hickok, by then having drawn one of his own pistols, shot the man who was strangling him through the knee. Hickok broke free, aimed his gun at Kyle, and fired. Kyle died the next day. The other other soldier was hospitalized, but eventually recovered and was returned to duty. The army took no action against Hickok, determining that the troops were shot in a drunken row and we're not in the line of duty. Then election day comes. Nobody dies, but Bill isn't reelected. Citizens begin to think that maybe he was bringing in more violence than he was actually solving. Well, geez, every time someone had a drink, someone ended up dead. The man that was elected lasted two years before he was killed. So maybe, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe Hickok may have been the guy. So, uh, he was there for about five years or so. We literally went through all of the deaths that uh, he went through. 
He sounds like a badass. I wouldn't want to mess with him. Anyway, during this time, Bill would have a daily routine. Uh, he would not wear a holster. Instead, he would actually wear a sash or a belt right around uh, instead of the, the holster. Uh, so he could essentially do a cross pull. Doing this made it easier to grab each pistol with each hand. Bill would start off every day with a very public target practice where he would load the guns himself. He would even factor in the humidity so that the chambers wouldn't misfire. When asked why he did it, why he did it himself, and not anyone who loads guns for him, Bill is to have replied, when I pull, I must be sure. Some tricks he would do, again, during this very public target practice, is he would put a cork on top of the bottle at 20 paces, and then he would shoot the top of the cork, and the cork would go inside the bottle. He could shoot 12 holes in a tomato can while it was still in the air. He could also do that before one man before another man could get off one shot. He could also split a bullet 20 paces off of the edge of a coin. Hickok once drew the letter O on a signboard against the wall, no bigger than a man's heart, wrote Nichols. So again, take the source. He would then walk 50 yards away, and even without sighting the pistol, essentially shooting from the hip, Hickok fired six shots from his Colt revolver into the center. Hickok would hold these in public because it was a great reminder for anyone to think twice about drawing their guns on Hickok. Bill was very aware that his reputation and knows that anyone who wanted to be famous just needed to draw faster than him and could kill him. After he leaves Hayes City, he moves to Abilene, the famous gun town who will also get its own special episode one day. Think of Hayes City, just much larger. What goes on in Abilene is that it is the end of the Chisholm Trail. It is also a hub for railroads to take away cattle. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of young men with money inside the town. It's essentially a waterless port. Huge business is conducted. Like I said before, once a cowboy unloads his cattle and gets paid, they go on a spending spree and end up blowing most of their, their wages on gambling, booze, clothes, and prostitutes. Where there seems to be men, booze, and guns, violence seems to follow them throughout. Keep in mind, the cattle trail is actually coming up from Texas and ending in Kansas. So you have ex-Confederates going into a northern state. So Bill is actually elected marshal in Abilene. <laughs> He's a lawman again. <laughs> Responsibilities are very similar to the Hay City. He would just walk the streets to keep the peace. Uh, what he was called, most of the time, he was able to defuse the situation by walking up to the troublemaker, tapping them on the shoulder, and telling him to quiet down, and he would leave without a shot. Except for he had a, one major rival in Abilene, and that was with two saloon owners, one named Thompson, but the other is Phil Coe. Phil Coe had some anger issues. He was quick to a fight and had little respect for anyone telling him what to do which made the sheriff public enemy number one for him. He did have one coping mechanism, however. He loved his violin. He was rumored to lock himself in his room for days, and playing the violin, probably playing it very slowly, probably never blinking, and staring into your soul. Looking to drum up some business for his gambling ring, Coe and Thompson, like middle schoolers, painted a bull on the wall 
with very great detail on the bull's horn. We'll call it the horn. How does a drying up, uh, how does vandalizing your own wall with a very large bull horn drum up business for you? You figure it out. I can't find the logic. Was it making fun of Bill? Nope. Just a big bull with really big horn on their wall. Huh. For business. Uh, yeah, yeah, for, for business. Yeah, for that's it. Business. When the residents of Abilene complain to Hickok, Coe is out of town when Hickok confronts Thompson. Bill grabbed a can of paint and covered the bull's horn. Unwilling to stand up to Hickok, Thompson doesn't paint a new one. Rumors of Wild Bill censorship cross town. This annoys Thompson's partner, Phil Coe. Coe, feeling maybe a little inadequate of his own horn, confronted Hickok by yelling him across the saloon. Coe bragged that he could knock a crow down on the wing with his gun. Hickok, probably rolling his eyes at this point, says, Does the crow have a pistol? Will it shoot back? I will be. Co not having an answer leaves. On the night. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The crow won't fire back. On the night of October 5th, a drunken Co firing his pistols outside the Alamo Saloon, very much like Yosemite Sam. Uh, Abilene actually passed a gun restriction that forced everyone to hand in their guns upon entering town. Uh, Or, when you're entering a saloon, you had to turn them into the barkeep. Cole likely knew that Bill would have to respond to this and confront him. Bill arrived to find Cole and about 50 armed and drunken Texans. Hickok asked who had fired. Cole claimed that he had fired at a stray dog, which... What the, what the hell, man? Why are you just firing at a dog? What did he do? Bill is a freaking animal lover. That is a good point. He will throw you in a river. If there's Damn. any bother of water. Should have known better. Uh, Coe claimed that he was firing at a stray dog. As Wild Bill told him to put up or surrender his pistols. Coe fired twice at Hickok. Coe's first shot cut through Bill's coat. The second shot at a wooden sidewalk between Bill's legs. Bill, quote, quick as a thought, according to the editor of the Abilene Chronicle, drew his own pistols, shot Coe twice in the cu- in the stomach. The Texans, again, there's 50 drunken, 50 drunk armed Texans around, start taking a few steps for him. Several shots are fired. Another man, armed with a revolver, rushed into the circle of the light towards Hickok. Hickok, reacting, shoots the man dead. Hickok managed to gain control of the crowd, and with the help of his deputies and some of the citizens, they drive the Texans back into their cattle camps. He is then horrified to discover that the second man who rushed into the circle was actually a good friend named Mike Williams. Oh, he killed his own friend. Hickok had, or Williams had worked with Hickok as a guard in the city jail, and the two had recently made plans to return to Williams' wife in Kansas City. He then joined Hickok's fight with Coe. Hickok carried Williams into the Alamo saloon, laid him on the billiard table, but Williams was dead. 
while Bill was distraught over William's death, this does really take an effect on him. He will never serve as a lawman again. At his own expense, Hickok arranges for William's body to be shipped back to Kansas City for burial. Some months later, Wild Bill visited William's widow and explained that he what had happened in front of the Alamo Saloon. This does make it the last time Wild Bill will actually point another gun at a human being. Dang, and finally they, they did enough damage where he never would point someone a gun at someone else again, huh? Yeah. Sounds like it really messed with him. I mean, yeah, you're just openly firing on people. You're bound to kill someone you didn't mean to. It is nice to see, like, someone with a conscience. I know it's only our second episode, but, like, it's nice that, oh, I feel bad about this murder. Like, that That does kind of feel nice. So what does Bill do? Uh, he's still living in Springfield until late August 1873, when Bill receives a letter from his old army friend, Buffalo Bill Cody, the 11-year-old who we saved from the bully that one time. Cody offered Hickok a part in his now famous Wild West show. Hickok would play himself on stage and would be paid very well for the work. Hickok accepted and joined Cody in New York. A majority of what Hickok's show was is he would sit around a fake campfire and tell stories of the old days. Bill was not a natural showman, however. He hated it. He became annoyed that others would laugh at him while he was on stage. He didn't get the point of acting. Why would you pretend to be someone else? Also keep in mind, the someone else he is playing is Wild Bill Hickok. When you're being a caricature of yourself and people are laughing at you, I can understand why he would be annoyed. It turns out Hickok's eyes were also starting to fail him. He becomes very sensitive to light. He rarely went out during the day, and when he did, he had to wear a form of sunglasses. During one show, a spotlight shined in Bill's eyes when he wasn't expecting it to. Bill pulled out his revolver with real bullets loaded and shot it out. The crowd laughed, thinking it was part of the show. The spotlight operator, however was probably less impressed because he wasn't expecting a gunshot to come near his head. Another night, a stage light on the stage actually burst into Bill's eyes enough, and it hurt him bad enough that a doctor was called. He was given drops and again, the glasses to wear. Uh, losing his eyesight is a real danger for Hickok. Gunfights were a real risk to him. He may be able to fire faster than anyone, but he, if he didn't know where he was going to hit, it doesn't matter how fast you draw. Anyone who wanted to make a name for themselves could do so easier if Hickok couldn't see his target as well as he used to. During the show, Hickok would pass around a bottle of whiskey that was actually iced tea. Bill stormed off stage one night and would only return once real whiskey was supplied. The crowd loved this so much that it actually became a normal routine. Bill being very annoyed of keep getting served iced tea. For his own entertainment, though, Bill would go up to uh, during some of the 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 shows. Bill would go up 
to actors who were playing dead Native Americans, and he would take his other pistol, the one with the blank rounds, and he would shoot them in the leg. Obviously, the actors, fearing they just got shot, would just jump up and dance around. Bill got tremendous entertainment out of this and would do it constantly. I'm shocked he didn't mix up the rifle or the pistols. I would like to think that went through his head. Shouldn't <laughs> he do this on purpose? Also, what? So, like, you can kind of see paranoia setting in on him. Now, I think it's legitimate, like. I was going to say, it's really, uh, I mean, uh, if I were to have, you mean it's valid point. Right? It's justified. Like, but it is great shot that's killed all these people crazily. Just go up and kill him and you're famous. Right. You're the guy. So, but like, imagine your mindset that you have two guns on you on stage. One is for the show and the other you have loaded just in case. Yeah. And that poor light, that poor light operator. I can't imagine (laughs) ever going up there again. I would quit. I would never go anywhere near it. Now, Especially, like, obviously Hickok's not going to tell you that he's losing his eyesight, but that's real scary if Hickok misses that light. Oh, yeah. I can't believe he still shot it out. Just kills the operator, so the light's staring at him the whole rest of the night. It would be justifiable, and he would get off in self-defense. That light and had it coming (laughs) off the stage. Uh, During a tour, they Buffalo Bill, Texas Jack, and Hickok are all leaving to their hotel. They get into the lobby where the the hotel's manager comes up to Buffalo Bill and asks that please and ask the three men not to go into the billard room. Apparently, some very competitive Texans were playing in there and were ready to challenge the three once they entered the room once they entered the hotel. Cody promised that they would avoid the men, while Bill, however, enters the room Shortly after, still hearing the warning, he's wild Bill. He will do what he GD pleases. The men greet Wild Bill by calling him Buffalo Bill. (laughs) When Hickok corrected the man for the simple mistake, the man called him a liar. Seriously, he called him a liar. In short, a fight breaks out. When the manager gets a hold of the real Buffalo Bill to intervene, Hickok pops out of the room, not a scratch, said that he knocked the the man out with his fist and the others with a, quote, solid chair. Hickok went to his room whistling and retired for the night. (laughs) I'd like to picture, like, a steel chair, professional wrestling bound. Slams him through the billiards table, freaking TLC match, right? There was a Stone Cold Stunner. He crashed his beers together, and drank it like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hickok's drinking does start to become an issue. When Bill asked him to calm down some of his acts on stage, Bill simply quit and walked away from the show. He had a stagehand tell Bill that he would go to Thunder, or if he got frustrated enough that he had a stagehand tell Buffalo Bill that he could go to Thunder, essentially telling him to go to hell, and he, he simply just leaves the show. Not a lot of stories of Bill's drinking, but he does kind of enter a depression. Um, Again, eyesight's losing. He's a character of himself. He probably feels like he's spiraling at this point. Um, And also, he just wants to go out west. So he does. However, before leaving New York, he hears of another play that is using Hickok's name. 
Hickok goes and watches the play for a time, is embarrassed. Shortly into the show, Hickok goes on stage, finds the stage manager, and throws him into the orchestra pit. He then gave permission for the play to continue. It didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone just staring at him. Go, no, go on, go on. It's fine. Yeah, go, go, please. No, 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 no. An officer came to arrest Bill. Bill told him that he would need help. He would need more help with the arrest. So a second officer was called. Bill still said, you're going to need more help. Then a third came. The first officer asked, can you come with us now? Please? Pretty please? Bill agreed, paid a $3 fine, and left New York forever. (laughs) Bill continues drinking. He continues to gamble. He would even disguise himself wearing his blue sunglasses. Uh, He would tuck his hair inside his own jacket. At one poker game, he felt he was being cheated. Bill is said to have thrown his glasses off and untucked his hair, and what I'm assuming was a big reveal, similar to that of Clint of Kent Clark taking off his sunglasses and becoming Superman, and the crowd the crowd probably going, "Oh, your Clark Kent is Superman. We can't tell with that master of disguise." Oh no! Oh, what a shocker! Your wild Bill. The story ends peaceably, though. Me at more, uh, more drinks and more poker is played. In March fifth, eighteen seventy six, Bill married Agnes Lake Thatcher, who might actually get her own episode because there's more on her than I thought there was. Uh, she is the widow of a murdered circus owner. <laughs> Agnes was a performer herself. Uh, she met Wild Bill in 1871, and they had traveled to Abilene uh, after her late husband's service. Agnes and Wild Bill had corresponded regularly, and their marriage was in Cheyenne and was celebrated by Hickok's friends. After a short honeymoon, Wild Bill discussed Agnes, uh, established Agnes in Cincinnati, and would promise to send her once he establishes himself out west. After he travels out west, Hickok returns to St. Louis where he announced his plans for an expedition to go into the Black Hills. He raised a company, gathered his supplies. Uh, He went from St. Louis and headed to Cheyenne, where he meets Charlie Utter, Colorado Charlie, and a group of men bound for the Black Hills. The group is set out for Deadwood, the frontier town, late in June, several weeks later. On the way, they stop at Fort Laramie, and is here where they meet Martha Jane Canary better known as Calamity Jane. Jane may have been found in the Ford's guardhouse recovering from a bout of drunkenness. The town's authority were ready to get rid of her, and when Wild Bill, Charlie Utter, and Jane all head to Deadwood in what is now modern-day South Dakota in July 1876. Hey, South Dakota, shout out! No, what is it? What is our... I can't even remember South Dakota's state motto. The Rushmore State? Uh, yeah, I think so. There we go. Yep. We're good South Dakotans, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. So there's rumors of Hickok and Calamity Jane being married. They're false. They were never romantically involved. They actually barely knew each other. 
Many thought that Bill actually didn't like Jane at all. Uh, the rumor spreads through Calamity's autobiography and in later movies where she claimed to be married to Hickok. Hickok was a newly married man himself to Agnes Lake, and they had corresponding letters. It does seem to be a legitimate love affair. Um, so any connection between Calamity Jane and Wild Bill is strictly from Calamity's side. She will also get her own episode. That's not a shocker, though. Okay. Not entirely sure why Bill chose Deadwood. It's likely because they were panning for gold, but no one ever recalled Bill panning for gold. Instead, he found gambling and drinking. And for what it's worth, it is said that Bill did write to his new bride that he was panning for gold. In August 1876, Bill is playing cards with a group including a young man named Jack McCall. McCall lost the hand and was unable to pay the debt to Hickok. McCall promised to pay later in the day. Bill then gave McCall some money so that he could buy breakfast in the morning. If only the road Davis Tut would have actually followed. <laughs> Bill wrote to his wife that evening, if, su if it was such be that we never meet again, while firing my last shot, I will gently breathe the name of my wife, Agnes, and with wishes even for my enemies, I will never I will make the plunge and try to swim to the other shore. Soon afternoon the following day on August seventh, Wild Bill entered the number ten saloon and joined three friends in a game to play poker. On this day, the man Hickok a man took Hickok's regular seat against the wall. The seat offered a view of both the front and the back doors, giving a full view of the saloon. Because someone was sitting in that chair, Hickok reluctantly sits down in the only empty chair, with his back near the rear to the front door. Now it is said, I haven't covered this, but he would do this everywhere. He would always point it so nobody could get to the back of him. Right. At about three. Where this is going. At about three p.m., Jack McCall entered the saloon and wandered into the room. Suddenly, he approached Wild Bill from behind and shouted, "Damn you! Take that!" He then shot Hickok in the head. Hickok died instantly. Several men lunged towards McCall who aimed his pistol at them and pulled the trigger. Uh, the gun refused to fire. McCall ran from the saloon, but was caught sh a short distance away and was placed under guard. Bill was holding the dead man's hand, now known as Aces and Eights. It didn't become the part of his legend until the 1920s. Uh, the doctor that helped prepare Bill's body has said that, that, was, that Bill was holding the Ace of Spades, the Ace of Clubs, the Eight of Spades, and the Eight of Clubs. They're all black cards, I think, is kind of playing in the romanticism. But there Eight he is. Eight and for a dead man, right? Yep. So now, we must rank him. Uh, thus ends the tale of Wild Bill Hickok. Wild Bill. Round number one, Are You Satisfied? This is our biography round. During this round, Matt and I are going to hand out Bill a score between negative 10 and positive 10. Negative 10 is if we did not like the story. If we're viewing this biography as a movie, 
did we like the movie essentially uh negative 10 would be this guy was kind of a prick he we didn't like it a positive 10 would be we loved it give it the oscar whatever description you would like to throw in matt what did you think of wild bill i'm gonna be honest with you there's a lot to unpack there in his story unlike uh good old billy where you know a lot was could or couldn't he had quite a bit of uh quite a bit of good stories you know uh at first i was like why does he have a brother named lame bill and he's wild bill or not lame bill i'm sorry um, uh tame tame bill tame bill tame bill to be fair which i mean it's pretty much the same thing you know tame and lame compared compared to wild bill if that is his story we're all lame we're all tame (laughs) like if that's what we're standing up against we don't stand a chance I thoroughly enjoyed his uh, biography. The man definitely lived a adventurous life, you know, from um, being a sheriff to a marshal. He was a spy. A spy, correct. He was also a spy. Um, I I had to laugh when it was like some of his life is straight out of a movie, you know, 10 men entered. One man exited. See, I think what's interesting yeah. is he's kind of the origin of that story. <laughs> like, if you think of the duel, every Wild West movie has that duel. And it's based off the Davis-Tut duel. Right. Like I was saying, like, uh, with the, you know, I, Tumbleweed passing. They're yeah. all, well, they're walking back. It's the top of the hour. They're both looking at each other. The only thing that was kind of like, really? Was, I mean, come on. He grabbed his watch. Yeah, it was all over a pocket I mean, watch. Really? It wasn't like, oh, you stole my girl. I mean, that was hilarious when he uh, got back at that guy, you know, by getting his, Yeah. He by, called him uh, Duck Bill. Sick burn. Sick burn, bro. Well, and then he ended up dying, you know, so. Yes. <laughs> the first well, instance of the Terminator. It was activated. And it's pretty funny, too. Uh, what's, what's weird, too, I uh, noticed all his charges were settled very quickly 10 minutes uh or i'm sorry not 10 minutes but uh what was it 30 minutes and like 15 minutes or something like that the two Mm -hmm. times he was on trial bill when billy the kid you know how to sit in jail for what three four yeah like oh this kid yeah yeah he's a real uh he's a real stinker we're gonna let him sit and rot but for you know wild bill all right dude you were doing your job bud you think you I wonder if he didn't have a hell. He had to have had a hell of a presence. Like he walks into the room, everyone yeah. stops what they're doing. Where Billy was twenty, he was twenty-one when he died. He didn't have enough time for that presence. Well, and yeah, right, yeah, true. I mean, he was a and he was a bit more notorious than Bill. Bill was more on the uh, clean-cut side of the law, mm. um, and it was. Uh, the dead man's hand, you know, I didn't, I honestly didn't know where that came from. So it's, it's kind of funny um, that that's how like something like that would come about. I mean, years later. Yeah. You can still view, if you go to the, if you go to Deadwood, um, which is basically a bunch of casinos. I love, again, I love you, South Dakota. There's a lot of tourism, West River. I'm sorry. Um, but you go into Deadwood into the number 10 saloon. They actually have Wild Bill's death chair above the door or above the entrance. Which is cool. What, like, what bar what, is that in? It's in Deadwood. It's number 10 saloon. You can Google it. Oh, it's okay. literally just the chair encased in like a 
lit. It's it's cool if you know the story, but like, why is this dead guy's chair just like that's ominous? Like, I don't like that. And but, I mean, he kind of like he kind of foreshadowed it too. The guy that was going to kill him would, you know, be famous as well. Yep. You know. You so, know. Have you heard of Jack McCall? I haven't, but I'm sure he. He was called out, and he was. I mean, we're talking about him right now for this one act he did. Right. Spoiler and alert: I mean, he doesn't do much else. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure he was, you know, pretty screwed after that moment. It sounds like there are some mental issues there with Jack. But you said he, uh, Bill gave him money for breakfast. Yeah, he lost the and he poker owed, hand. So so he lost the bill. He owed Bill money. Bill gave him more money to buy breakfast. And then, damn you! Take and that. Kills him and shot him in the back of the head. So, like, was Bill being really patronizing when he, oh, you go uh, ahead? But like, right? But again, is that worthy of murdering a dude? You know what? You owe me so much money. Ting! Here, go buy some breakfast because it's gonna be the last you get. But by God, if that's thirty-five dollars, I will kill you, Dad. <laughs> All right, so, so what do you, you know, think of overall, first? Overall, overall, uh, I was really satisfied. I would definitely, um, definitely buy a ticket to see this man, um, especially how he interacted with people. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pretty high on this one. I'm gonna say a nine. Nine. I like it. Again, I what did Billy. You? What are you thinking? I did Billy, like I said last week or two weeks ago. Yep, because. We record this right before we post. But anyway, I picked Billy because I thought he would be the best story. And I really, I thought about this one for a while. I'm going to match the nine, but it's real close. Uh, I really liked Bill. I, I especially like the, uh, the just as off his humor seemed like the I'm being a perfect hermit letter to his brother or the Indian story of well, they killed me. Like, what do you, what do you think happened? There was a yeah, hundred of that, them. That story was, that story was really funny. I'm that, sure he, when he was telling people, they were like, wait, what, what, what happened? What, what, what happened? <laughs> oh, they killed me. What, they what killed. do you think happened? Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, I also like the story. He, well, they killed me and he's standing right there, obviously alive. Who probably just had the biggest grin on his face. If you look at his mm-hmm. picture though, it's really hard to picture him smiling. Anyone Google Wild Bill Hickok. It's not a face that smiles a lot. The, okay. the picture will also be up on our uh, Instagram page. It will. Which I'll explain later. But All right. Okay. Round two. Be sure you are right. Then go ahead. This is our morality round. Now, obviously, it's a little bit difficult to judge morals from the 18th, from the 1800s to today. Uh, we're obviously a lot of our figures are not going to be perfect characters, but how do they hold up to today's standards? Again, Matt and I will go between negative 10 and positive 10. Negative 10 would be a score of maybe they weren't so good. Maybe they're a little bit too murder happy. 10 would be they were peaches and cream and almost a priest. I would be very surprised if we ever had another 10 here. But anyway, Matt, how was he as a person? Clearly. He had to have been somewhat of a good person if they wanted him to be a lawman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I clearly growing up, like uh, his dad was in or his dad helped uh, try and 
get slaves yeah. out of the South. So it's not like he was a, a hardened Southern slave owner that just wanted to destroy the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually joined the uh, what Union Army in the mm-hmm. Civil War and helped with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like he was walking around just shooting people. Given, like you said, I mean, given the times, money is money, right? And I mean, $35 is probably quite a bit back in the day. <laughs> it was worth the murder. So, um, you know, overall, I think while taking the time into it and, you know, I mean, nowadays, obviously, he's a stone cold killer, right? But yeah. back then, well, I mean. I don't know, because we'll get into the county coup. Right. Um, but, I mean, he did kill that cowboy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what? I mean, it was multiple cowboys. He shot one of them in the jaw. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, poor dude. I mean, I don't know how that dude could have survived, especially back in the day. What, what are what are they going to do? Just put on an iron jaw? I mean, half his teeth are probably gone, if I not don't all know. of them. Yeah, the teeth are gone, I'm sure. I don't know what they would do. Other than, it, does it just dangle? <laughs> like, right, is he just like, not able to close his mouth? Um, any any so doctors? <laughs> right, any, right. Any doctors? Please, please let us know what happens. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go ahead and say, uh, I'm gonna Ooh. go ahead and say about an eight. Oh, oh, that high. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he was evil. Like, I don't think he. Given all everything that you told, uh, you talked about, I just don't see him as a, a murderous psycho that's gonna run around. You know. He did um, feel bad about murdering his friend. And exactly. His and friend. He, he, did he didn't not. kill a single person after that. Didn't even draw a gun on him. Well, supposedly. I'm sure they're... Well, well, I mean, technically at the show, you know, he did shoot at the spotlight. <laughs> I mean, he had to have known there was someone up there. I mean, he threw a, a man into an orchestra pit. He was probably right. d- disappointed it wasn't a river that he could throw them into. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, he was a angry fella. So... You know what? I'm going to say a seven. I'm I'm actually changing it. You 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 reminded me of a couple of things, so I'm going to go ahead and say seven. I like seven. It's a good score. Yeah. It at first I thought he was really murder happy, like really trigger happy, but I literally told all of the stories that we we know that can be confirmed. And being in a cow town is not an easy place to be a lawman. (laughs) So like he had to be tested every day. The patience he must have had must have been outstanding. When those cowboys came come to town, I guarantee, oh, I guarantee that was not a fun time. Just a whole bunch of drunken ruffians running through. Just come here, come here. Ah! <laughs> Oof, I couldn't imagine. All right. That is a solid 14. I did not say, are you satisfied? He scored 18 on are you satisfied, which is his own quote. So should probably score high in that one, shouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, be sure you're still, be sure you're satisfied and go ahead. He is scoring a 14. We will now move on to, to hell with the consequences. Was Wild Bill crazy or clever? Again, negative 10 to positive 10. Matt, was he crazy or clever? Um, I think, you know, I'm going to go ahead and tell uh, say my score right now. I'm going to go ahead and uh, go right in the middle at zero. Really? I don't think he was crazy, but I don't think he was that clever. 
I mean, he he was a great shot, clearly, and he showed, um, and he and he made sure people knew. But it's not like he talked his way out of any situations. I mean, someone said something to him. All right, you want a gun? You want to go? You're gonna go. Let's go. But if it but was it's not like he sought it out, right? <laughs> oh, my pocket watch. Yeah, let's go, bud. Do we give him any any points for? being kind of dry sense of humor funny you oh yes i guess he was that that uh, in that aspect he was kind of clever he was probably you know a good jokester um but as far as i don't think zero is a bad score i don't i think that is a i think he was i mean he didn't outsmart anybody i mean he did almost die to um in the pocket watch incident, uh, the the guy he's his name escapes me, Tut. Um, Tut, yeah, he almost died. He, he if he would have shot just a little bit down, it would have hit him in the head. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he, it's not like he, although what he did afterwards was pretty, you know. Are you satisfied? Pretty awesome. I do like the not even looking if he's dead by the way his friend that he didn't want to fight right. he just are you shot are you satisfied i already know i killed him i don't need to look are you satisfied who else wants some the only thing i could think of when you were uh explaining that was like when he turned around and like lifted his hands up the uh tut was still standing and then you know just slowly like tum, fell to his knees and then fell over I'd like to think, like, do you think Tut, like, was alive to see? And it was like, oh, he's not even looking at me. Man, I'm your friend. Man. How did he know? How? S-O-B. So, I mean, uh, despite those couple things, I still think, uh, I still think I'm sticking with a zero. What about you? I don't know. I do think zero is not a bad score there. Um, Because I'm trying to think, did he outsmart anyone? He threw his boss into the river for punching a horse. He he was a spy. Had to be clever to be a spy. Uh, his cover was blown in the most weird in the worst way. I can't argue against your zero. I'm think I was originally thinking like five or six, but your zero makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to go that low, but I am going to go three. I think that is a perfectly fine score. That gives him a total of three points in this round, uh, which if you look at it, if you're actually looking at us from our negative 10 to positive 10, that is actually over halfway. So I think that is perfectly reasonable for him. The next round, draw. Okay, so from here, we're just going to take a pause because we've already gone through the first three rounds. According to our rules, Matt and I have handed out scores of negative 10 to positive 10. Right now, Bill is in positive. Let's just say Bill was in negative numbers. So we gave him negative 2, 3, and 4, whatever the case may be. If his overall score right now was negative, we would continue to subtract points from his score. But because Bill is positive, we are going to continue to add points to his score. So... Because Bill is positive, Matt and I are only going to hand out points between 0 and 10. But again, if Bill was a negative, we would hand out a score of, we would start subtracting points from 0 to 10. So therefore, our good guys 
our good guys and our bad guys can continue to be bad guys. So draw, and if you think about it, draw is actually also kind of named after Bill because this is the Wild West duel we're all familiar with. Now what this round isn't, isn't if Matt and I think we could win the, a duel with Wild Bill Hickok, because clearly we won't. <laughs> what this round really is, is if we cross Wild Bill, how screwed are we? Can we talk our way out of it? That would be a score of zero. Would he maybe shoot us in the arm and injure us to teach us a lesson? That would be like a five. Or ten is we're dead. We know we're dead. Build the graves. Dig the grave. With that being said, Matt, how screwed are we? Um, I don't think we'd honestly be screwed. Uh, I mean, look at he gave um, Tud the chance. Like, don't take it, right? Uh, I don't want to fight him. I don't want to duel my friend, you know? And then mm-hmm. look at even at the end. He gave the guy money for breakfast. Now, again, like you said, it could have been as a as a egg in him on or, like, thrown egg in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as long as – I don't – like, I, I mean, going back to round three, you know, I don't think he was uh, a stone-cold killer – he only did it when provoked to the the point of no return, right? I think that's interesting because I think if I would have asked you that 45 minutes into the episode, you would think he's a psychopath. Am I wrong? Did you think he was kind of, <laughs> he's going to murder you without a second thought? Uh, I mean, after the, after the whole sheriff incident, maybe a little bit, like, uh, you know, walking around just killing Mm-hmm. killing people you know i mean he didn't get he didn't get freaking reelected, right like he was only a sheriff for that short time um but still uh so i'm gonna go ahead and say uh maybe a two okay because it all i, I again it all depends on what if we couldn't pay <laughs> you know yeah. what was, is it what was the argument for, right is it no one ever made it past that point because they all just got mad and ended up dying there was no story where, well, you know, he couldn't uh, he couldn't end up paying Bill, so Bill got really angry and killed him. No, it was a, I'm not paying, ah, I'm going to steal your watch. So what I will say, he only lived to be 39 years old. By the time he killed, I don't have the exact time in front of me, or the exact date in front of me, but I don't believe, I mean, it was probably less than five years from when he killed davis his friend or when he killed williams his friend um to when he actually died himself so you could make an argument that maybe he was a psychopath that just happens to be he kind of went he killed williams you could make the narrative he went into a downward spiral with alcoholism gambling until eventually you could also there is a theory that Bill kind of had a death wish in the last couple of years. And if you think about it, he's after Wild Bill's, he's after Buffalo Bill's uh, story. He's kind of a character of himself. His eyesight is going. He's getting to be a little bit older. He accepts the seat. Yeah. Right. He accepts the seat. Right. I never thought about that. Because back in the day, he would say, you up. Yes. And the, the guy would have listened. And I think what happened is Bill went into the bar into the saloon looked at the guy like 
that's my seat. And the guy probably didn't register like, oh, that's Wild Bill. Let me get up. If Bill would have said, get out of my seat, the guy would have got up like that. It wasn't like anyone was established in Deadwood. You had like Al Swearingen, which doesn't mean anyone anything to anyone outside of Deadwood or the TV series. You have Seth Bullock, kind of. He hasn't made a name for himself yet. Wild Bill is the name. He is the celebrity of the time. Well, and it was kind of interesting, too, that you brought that up because the last letter to his wife, right? Like, if I shall, you know, take my last breath. um, I'll think of you. I'll I'll think of you and say your name. Right. Agnes. So he had to have known the end was coming. Maybe he did give that guy money. I mean, obviously, we'll never know, right? But maybe he did give that guy money and taunt him a little bit to push him over. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it sounds like Jack was, I don't, I think what we might do, and again, this is spoilers, this is going in, like, we might do, like, a rapid fire ranking round, because there's a lot of, like, the Jack McCalls, there's not much on them, but we could do a Jack McCall, we can do a lot of, like, those assassination characters, and do, like, five rankings really quickly, and do one episode of it. He fits into that, because literally, the only thing he is known for is killing Wild Bill, Outside of that, we would never know of Jack McCall. Um, so yeah, like I said, Wild Bill is his name. Now again, going to draw, how screwed are we? Um, he does kill. We'll get into counting coup. Um, I did get the sense doing the research, he was a little trigger happy. And it just seemed, it, like I said during the episode, he's really close to I almost thought like the author was trying to justify how many people he was killing because he just randomly they go into like he killed this guy killed this guy killed this guy and then there's this well he was always investigated for all of his side and then he after he just went through all of the he got off on self-defense on pretty much anything he wanted it almost seemed like they threw it in there because the author liked him and then he just wanted to justify Wild Bill going on so I'll give my, have you given a score? I don't know if you have, but if, if you haven't, I think I'm going one, I think I'm going two because I think if I catch him on the wrong day, um, I don't know. He'll, he'll shoot me with incredible accuracy. Also keep in mind for draw. Um, he also did very public displays of his marksmanship so that nobody would F with him. Well, yeah, like I, uh, you, you, you must not have heard me, but I said three. Okay, three. So I, we're we're kind of on the same page there, where, you know, depending on the day, right? Right. <laughs> Maybe and, even the time frame. And I even wonder because I to hell with the consequences. The crazier, clever. I'm half debating because we gave him a three. The public target practice. That's some paranoia to me. To me, that's more of a mess with me and see what happens. Do you think that's positive, clever, or crazy? I think it's positive because he didn't want anyone to mess with him, right? He didn't want to have to use it. Maybe. That's the way I took it. Uh I'll buy it. I can see either way. I like your thinking. Next round, legacy. Again, we're only going to do 0 to 10 because Bill is in positive scores. We're going to continue to add to him. How well known is he? How well has his name lasted up through the years? At? 
Well, I mean, it's interesting because I I didn't remember him. I remembered his name. I didn't know much about him. But as you were uh, going through his uh, biography, I kind of rem- uh, I started uh, picturing his the the, the the picture of him, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you said handlebar, it like clicked. That was like the final piece. So I remember seeing him, um, and I think he's not. To me, he's not as famous, probably, as someone like Billy the Kid. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, he's got, like, d- the Dead Man's Hand, for example. Um, I'm sure everyone knows that it's from Wild Bill, right? Well, um, I think that's more death bonus, but yes. Like you right, said, right. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but I think overall... Um, Before you say your score, you gave Billy the Kid an 8. Right. Okay. I, yep. Um, I was actually going to go lower Okay. Um, with Bill. I, I was going to do about a five. Really? Yes. I mean, from personal experience. Not really? much. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, there's a reason I picked him as the second episode. Because <laughs> I'm. if you're not picking the trend, I'm kind of picking those who I think would be like the tens. To be fair, though, in all my history studies, I I, I shied away. First I off, shied away but from Western. First off, Matt and I both have history degrees. So when he said that in my history, like, we actually have a history background. That sounded very sarcastic to me. Oh <laughs> no! From in when I was going through school, I I took zero American uh, history courses and stuck with all european and uh you know medieval World cold war, war. II, that kind of stuff yes um so to be fair i i don't know much about western um history or american history um and that's why i i really didn't know much about him so that's just my opinion i kind of like that we're kind of we're not divided because again if you're looking at it oh this is only zero to ten I'm going full 10 because to me, you just know Wild Bill Hickok. And I get what will be interesting. Anyone who doesn't live in the United States, if you've never heard of Wild Bill, I'm going to be very, I'm going to feel very silly about my score. And that might probably be close, closer. But to me, you just know Wild Bill Hickok. And maybe that's because we both grew up in South Dakota. We know his name. In reality, South Dakota claims Wild Bill. That's where he's buried right now. He was only in South Dakota for like less than a month. He was not there for very long at all. And you you just get the sense that he was there always. When really, he belongs to Abilene. He belongs to Hay City. He belongs to Illinois. South Dakota just happened to be the place he was shot and killed. Right. That's interesting. I didn't know it was only a month. He wasn't there for long. But anyway, we can get we'll get into that some in Calamity James episode too, because she's a she's a character. Okay, next round. Death. Did we think they had a cool death story? This is more bonus points than anything, but so me and Matt are only gonna hand out up to two points, so zero to two. Uh do you want to hand him any both bo- any bonus points for hut for dying? You know what? I don't think so. 
I think the way he died was pretty um, crappy. I mean, he got the short end of the stick for sure. Didn't see it coming. Didn't even know what happened. Was dead before he hit the table. That is true. The guy was, was it's like the uh, cheap kill. It was like the cheapest kill you could do someone from behind. Not even but when I say the, on. when I say the phrase "dead man's hand." Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and raise it to about a one. I'm gonna give him one because you're right. Uh, the the dead legacy, I guess, uh, coming out with well, this is his hand. Well, that's the dead man's hand. You don't want that hand, right? Can you? I'm going to, so I'm spoiling this. But can you think? Of another person's death giving, I don't want to say birth, but giving a name to something like, like, I think people are familiar with poker. Is there another instance? And again, anyone listening to this, let me know too, because I think this would be interesting. I'm going to simply because um, the dead man's hand. And it's just known. People know that phrase, or at least in the the US they do. But is it... Is it worth who is probably one of the best gunfighters in Western history? He was killed by someone who, if we're being honest, doesn't deserve the title of being the man that killed Wild Bill Hickok. Like, it is a lame death. I do agree with that. But does the dead man's hand name give him two bonus points? Not for me, but apparently for you, he does. It does for me. So I am sticking with that. So... I agree with that. Overall score of three. Our final round, Counting Coup. We're not judging anything. We're just finding their confirmed-ish kills and dividing that number by ten. Matt, take a guess. Whew. Well, just in your story alone, uh, let me see here. One, two, three, Fifteen? Sixteen? Seven. Oh, seven? <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure, if you re, if you actually count the scores in this de- in, in this episode, that score is going to be higher from what I talked about, for examples, which tells me mm, some of those stories aren't he necessarily true. A bit. He embellished a bit. But he embellished in a fun way. It's different. <laughs> but yeah, I've, seven is the confirmed. Again, I'm getting that from Wild West Magazine as my reference. Go yell at them. Uh, good luck, though. They're a pretty well-respected source. So, 0.7, huh? 0.7. His overall score then comes to 58.7 points. Billy scored exactly uh, 68.1, so he is in second place. So now, we must draft. I will flip a coin. Matt, what is on this coin? Describe this coin. Mount Rushmore. Close enough. Mount Rushmore for heads. The back is a 50-cent piece. Heads is Mount Rushmore. Tails is the 50-cent piece. In 1961, you could have traded this coin in for a beer. Tails never fails. You said that last time. You got to read it off. It is Tails. Damn it. (laughs) I am definitely going to be drafting good old Wild Bill. Damn it. I love me some Wild Bill. I'm not going to lie. Now that we've actually drafted him, this is the guy I really, really, really wanted. You should have took uh, good old... You shouldn't have took Billy then. 
No, because we still had to flip the coin. Right, right, true, true. What I wanted to do is I wanted you... I wanted to end up with Billy so that I could trade him for Wild Bill. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't like really the kid. And then it really destroyed my strategy when you were just meh on Billy. So well, maybe, whatever. Maybe, you know, Calamity Jane or, or someone else we do in the future I'll, I'll like a little bit more and want to trade. I'm going to probably need a few different names, but yes. But keep in mind, uh, we will need to draft our full teams before we can trade. So that's, you know, quite a ways away. Yeah, we make rules, but let's be honest. If we just <laughs> want to do something. <laughs> okay, so now our roster stand for I have Billy the Kid. Matt has Wild Bill Hickok. We will share that once the names aren't so easy for us to remember. There are no free agents. Uh, going into our tournament a couple years from now. So with that, that is the end of Wild Bill. Anything to add? Yeah, if you like what you heard, please give us a subscribe. Um, definitely give us a ranking. I'd love uh, a or rate us rather. Not give us a. I mean, you can definitely give us a ranking as well. Um, you can send us an email. We uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, it's ranking seventy six pod at gmail dot com. Um, we also have a uh, Instagram, which is ranking 76 podcast. Go ahead and uh, follow us. We will post, um, a picture of the figures we see after the podcast drops. We don't want to give too much away. Right. Um, so, uh, follow, give us a follow on that and, you can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, um, Ranking 76, the American West podcast. And go ahead and follow us it on is a that group. as well. So keep in mind, it is a group, not a page. So you do have to go to the group section and search there. If you just search Ranking 76, we might not be pulled up. But I think if you actually just search us on Google, you may find us. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you, and uh, as always, have a great week. We are bi-weekly. We'll see you in two weeks for our next podcast. Look forward to it. As always, I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. See you later. Bye.